0: Hello Historians, Happy Friday and welcome back to A Daily Slice of History. I'm your host, Sean Cavanaugh. The only announcement for today is that the Royal Historical Society is doing a Dunmore Cemetery trip on October 1st. Admission is free and the tour will cover paranormal history in line with the Halloween season. Please consider signing up and attending. The Google form to sign up can be found in the bio of the RHS's Instagram account, U of S underscore RHS. Again, please do consider showing up. That out of the way, let's get to the history. On this day in 480 BC, the Battle of Salamis occurred. This battle marked a turning point in the Greco-Persian Wars as the Persians had been handed one of their most significant defeats, which would be their last big attempt to invade Greece. With that, let's cover this momentous battle. For context, the Greco-Persian Wars were fought due to past grievances between the Greeks and Persians. This was mainly due to Athens and Atreus supporting a failed rebellion within Persian territory. When Darius the Great asked Greek city-states to submit to him and his empire, they refused. While some Greek city-states did comply, others didn't. The most important ones that did not comply were Athens and Sparta. With this, part of the Greek world was now at war with the Persians. These wars were started in the 490s BC and continued all the way until 449 BC. Many essential battles will be fought during this time, such as the Battle of Marathon, as previously covered by my co-hosts, and the Battle of Thermopylae, where sparring King Leonidas gave his last stand. What is important here is that the Greeks took heavy losses or outright losses for most of these battles. This would allow the Persians to conquer the regions of Phocis, Boeotia, Attica, and Euboea. So fast-forwarding to 480 BC and before the Battle of Salamis, things were looking dire for the Greeks. They needed to win this battle or the entire Greek world would lose their freedom as they knew it. When brainstorming strategies for the upcoming fight, one naval commander suggested that they set up a defensive blockade. Athenian general Themistocles recommended otherwise, stating that the Greeks should go on the offensive. Themistocles felt that the Greeks had better success being in close quarters fights, so that should be their main line of attack. The other commanders were initially wary of this plan, but soon came around. When it's time for battle, the Greek ships numbered around 371 or 378. These numbers come from Herodotus, who despite claiming there were 378 ships, his numbers only add up to 371. If you give numbers like that, you should at least make sure they add up. But I digress. According to Herodotus, the Persians numbered around 1,200 ships. Although modern historians put their numbers around 600 to 800. At the battle, the Greeks knew that the Persians had more naval vessels than they did, so as Themistocles advised, they lured the Persians into the narrow straits of Salamis. There the Greeks had considerable advantage over their enemies, as the Persians became disorganized due to the cramped space, not allowing them to spread out. The Greeks would sail right into the middle of the Persian line, splitting the ships into two sections. From there, fierce naval combat was had, with boats ramming into each other and marines on both ships boarding enemy ships. This is where Arabignes, a Persian admiral and brother to Xerxes, would be killed after the Greeks boarded his boat. Clearly, the battle was not going well for the Persians. In the panic, one of the Persian ships even sunk one of their own ships in an instance of friendly fire. When Queen Artemisma of Halicarnassus tried to flee from Greek pursuit, she accidentally hit another Persian ship. Ultimately, the Persians lost around 200 to 300 ships, compared to the Greeks losing approximately 40. Herodotus claims that the reason for this higher casualty rate for the Persians was also due to how the Persians did not know how to swim. In the end, this embarrassing battle for the Persians caused them to reconsider conquering Greece. Xerxes left the Persian army in charge of one of his generals and returned to his empire, probably tired of trying to conquer Greece. There will be one more monumental battle after this, but Persia will remain away from the Greek world. It really makes you wonder how different our world would be if the Persians were victorious in their war. Well, that wraps it up for today, historians. I hope you enjoyed this episode, as I know I did. Either way, thank you for listening, and happy Friday, historians.